your Locked On Avalanche, your daily podcast on the Colorado Avalanche. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Avalanche fans, welcome to the Locked On Avalanche Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Chris Maselli, with another episode of the podcast dedicated to your Colorado Avalanche and the final part of our conversation with Ryan Clark from The Athletic. Parts one and two. Part one was on Tuesday. Part two was on Wednesday. And today is part three. So today we cover, we still cover some Avalanche stuff, but we do get into Ryan's time in Colorado covering the Avalanche. And uh, while his time may have been short, uh, like I tell him, he he definitely left an impact, uh, I think, on a lot of Avalanche fans, me in particular. Uh, I just love the way the guy writes. So uh, we talk about that, what he's looking forward to with the Seattle Kraken, you know, starting from the ground up. It doesn't happen very often where you get the opportunity to to cover a team pretty much right from the beginning. So we get into things like that. And then I kind of make him play GM and say, you know, if you are the Seattle Kraken GM, who are you taking from the Colorado Avalanche in this expansion draft? So we kind of have some some fun with that. So uh, why wait? Let's get right to it. So here is part three and the final part of uh, my conversation with Ryan Clark from The Athletic. So a couple weeks ago, you made the announcement that you are going to be moving back to Seattle and covering the Kraken for the Athletic. Um, before we get into that team, what what is it that you are going to miss most about? And you you wrote about it. So if if you subscribe to the Athletic, um, check out his his article on his announcement that he's going to write for Seattle. But for people that haven't read it or just in general, what, what, even though your time in covering the avalanche was on the shorter side, you've made an impact. So what, what are the things that you will, yeah, you have, you have, don't be modest. Um, What what are the things that you will miss the most that you think about covering this avalanche team and and the Denver area? Um, You know, I would say, I think it's kind of just seeing how it all came together and, Hmm what it could look like going forward just because I mean you get here and they just make the playoffs but people are like well it's not saying they won't be good down the line but like is this really going to happen again and all of a sudden you look at the league-wide opinion and aside from Tampa everyone's like oh they the one not they're the (laughs) one they the one but I would say like I don't know it's hard because like I look at coming here and, and, and I talked about it in the column where it's like, there are fans that, that were welcoming. Like I look at Adrian and Taylor and Morgan and, you know, Julian and Jacqueline and Benoit and all these people, Zane is another one um, who like, it's just really cool to see people who make an investment in you and what you're reading. And it's really, I think kind of been humbling to not only do podcasts like this, mm-hmm. but just like podcasts like mile high hockey uh, well, Hockey Mountain High, excuse me, where everyone's just saying these really nice things. But at the end of the day, it's just kind of like, yeah, I'm just a dude from the East Coast who covers <laughs> hockey. It's nothing really more or less than that. But I think I think the thing I'll miss is just kind of, you know, it's kind of like what game days are like. Like you go in the morning skate and it's like 
you see these people like Danielle Bernstein, who does team PR. I mean, it's having these conversations with people like Landeskog or Ian Cole or Kale McCarr, Nathan McKinnon, or, you know, Philip Grubauer, really all of them. Um, right. I mean, you name it, all of them. I'd say it's that, but I mean, that's, I think what makes it such a little bit of a bittersweet thing is because like, these are all things that you're going to miss, but like at the same time, you think about Seattle and these were things that I had covering the Huskies because, right. you know, not being funny, but like covering the Huskies, it was such a different dynamic because prior to that, like I covered Florida state where like FSU fans, it's like, Oh God, they take it super, 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 super seriously. And like the people, they, they know you through the message boards, but at the same time, it's a little bit of a different environment. Like, whereas if with like Husky fans, like there was one time I was talking to someone at dinner in Arizona one night and he's like, Oh, how do you know so much about the Huskies? Like, did you go to UW? Cause we were all there for the Fiesta Bowl. And I'm like, Oh no, I'm, I'm a sports writer. I cover the Huskies. He's like, Oh really? Like maybe I've read you. What's your name? I'm like, oh, I'm Ryan Clark. I work with the Tacoma news tribune. <laughs> this man's family left him at dinner because he wanted <laughs> to spend the whole night and talk. Right. And like, it just, it blew me away. And in, in some ways, like I found certain abs fans to, to be like that. So I mean, I would say like, it's, it's just going to be missing the interactions with people. Um, I would say like, it's going to be just kind of, you know, going to, I, I was going to say Pepsi Center, I guess, Outball Arena and, and just going yeah. there and just kind of like, you see certain security people, you see, you know, the, the, the elevator attendants, like it's just different things like that. But at the same time, it's like, it's hard because like, I'm very grateful for everything people have done for me here. And I'm very grateful that I get to continue to cover the NHL. It's just like, I'm covering it in a place that as people think, like, I'm not from Seattle. Like, let's get that the way. Like I lived there for eight months, but people are like, you're a native son going back. And it's like, you know, yeah, I grew up in Seattle, went to UW. My mom and dad were pissed when they blew up the kingdom. My dad still has his Rick Meyer Jersey. Um, my mom's favorite Mariner was Jay Buhner. She just, oh, wow. she loved the bald head. Uh, yeah. No, I'm, I'm joking, of course, but, <laughs> but like, it, it, like, like it's one of those things where it's just like, I think this would be harder if I was going to a place where like you didn't know the people, you didn't know the landscape. But like, that was, I think the thing is just, do you stay in Denver or do you go back to a place where you know people? And, you know, look, I think anytime you can make a decision you always try to look for the, the positives in everything. And there are positives in both. It was just one of those things where Seattle won out. But I mean, there's going to be a lot, you know, my wife and I are going to miss about Denver. There's a lot yeah. of cool people here and we were fortunate for so many things. And on the flip side of that, what, what, what are the things that you're, you're looking forward to in, in covering the Seattle Kraken? Is, is it just, you're pretty much getting in on the ground floor with a, with a brand new franchise that doesn't happen very often. Was that kind of like a, a big selling point for you that you wanted to be a part of that? I mean, it, it was that, and it was a couple other things, you know I mean? When you look at the Kraken from the ground floor up concept, like it's all these things that have been established elsewhere are so different for them. And so like, this is like, I can't get into into the details. Like I'm currently working on a story now, mm-hmm. but like you look at their scouting department, like it wasn't so much that they hired 12 scouts and an amateur scouting director. They did it during a pandemic. <laughs> if you're an NHL team, you're maybe hiring one or two scouts right now, four or five at most. You're not retooling or putting together an entire scouting department. And so you're like, you're thinking about all these things that everybody else has had done for them decades in advance. Whereas if with you, it's a little bit of a different conversation because like you are now laying the groundwork that's going to be, the, the, the sort of tablet or foundation 
for other people going forward. And right. so like, that's what just made it interesting, but also it's the environment up there because with Seattle, it's a place that takes sports super seriously. Like the University of Washington hosts a regatta every year where they have like a, a race crew against, let's say Oxford or Cambridge or a school like that. It draws 50,000 people. 50,000 people go to uh, Sounders games. Uh-huh. Um, the rain get a good attendance. The storm get a good attendance. Like the first time I covered a UW um, football game, they were playing UCLA. And I was like, Jesus, this is the loudest stadium I've ever been in. And I've been at Florida State, Florida and Clemson. And they're like, oh, it's 75% full. <laughs> like wait till like it's Washington State. Like it'll be deafening. Mm. Um, and they take the Seahawks seriously and they take the Mariners seriously. And so to see what they're going to do with hockey, like it, it, that's what's just, it's so fascinating. So um, yeah, it's just, it was a lot of different things, but at the same time, like, I still come back to the fact that leaving Denver, like it had to be in a lot of ways, the perfect situation because like being here, like the team itself is prepared to go on a long run. You see how more and more people in this city are really starting to kind of latch onto that. And you're interested to see how it grows and goes. But just when you look at Seattle for all the reasons just mentioned, like, how do you say no to that? Yeah. Yeah. I can't fault you. So, and, and having said all that, what, what are like the expectations for Seattle in year one? I mean, are, are they going off of what Vegas did or was Vegas just, you know, that this anomaly and, and, or, or is Seattle say like, we kind of have to match that. You know, Vegas and Seattle are such different conversations now because I mean, before it was the argument of you didn't have general managers who maybe knew what they knew with Vegas, like they do with Seattle, but then like what makes that such a different conversation piece to have as a whole really is the flat cap because like our Pierre LeBron wrote about this in his column over the weekend. And the sense that like the flat cap, I mean, yes, the circumstances behind it, of course, are, are, are is something with the pandemic that no one wanted to see or experience, but at the same time, as it relates to hockey and whatnot, like it is this idea that like, yeah, there are going to be some financial decisions that teams have to make that could realistically benefit a team like the Kraken going forward. Mm -hmm. And so it's not to make it sound like it's super opportunistic or anything like that, but it's such a dynamic that changes the conversation that it's hard to say, because I mean, like the other way to look at it like this is think about the expansion team since 2000. So that's been the wild, the predators, the blue jackets, and the Vegas Golden Knights before the Kraken. So let's say, believe it's been four. Mm-hmm. Of those four, only 25% of them have made it to a cup final in the first three years. <laughs> it took the other three, it took one of the other three more than a decade to make it. But the so one like, is the most recent one, though. That's the problem. <laughs> right, right. So it's like, do you, so like when people say like play the percentages, like, yeah. What is the percentage? It's like, is yeah. the percentage Vegas? Is it the other 75%? That's I mean, true. It's not like the Wild and Blue Jackets have had like bad teams for the last 20 years. They've had good teams. It's just there have been others in their way. Whereas if like you look at Vegas and I mean, like you look at that roster and you look back and you're just like, okay, was Minnesota wise for letting Alex Tuck leave? Was the Florida Panthers wise for saying, yeah, we want to move on from Riley Smith and Jonathan Marsh so. Right. And so it's like, they're going to be teams that are going to be facing that same question. Yeah. And when you look at the avalanche, I mean, it's an interesting dilemma 
because no matter who you protect, there's a possibility you're going to expose someone like Ryan Graves, Devon Taze, or Larry Nichushkin, or potentially JT Comfort, someone like that. Like you're going to lose yeah. a good player. But like, do you try to make some trades to possibly stave off who you keep, or how does that work? And the Avalanche aren't going to be the only team in that situation, but but then there are other teams that are in some different dynamics. Like I know six months ago, people were freaking out about the expansion draft as it relates to Pablo Francois and Philip Grubauer. Not to say that those worries probably don't exist, but when you look at like what's going on in Montreal and Vancouver with goaltending, it's like, yeah, I mean, Jake Allen and Carey Price are going to cost a lot of money. Yeah. What's stopping Canadians from saying, we're going to leave Jake Allen exposed so Seattle can take him and we can use Caden Primo. What's stopping the Canucks from saying, hey, if Thatcher Demko is indeed it, just get a cheaper backup option through the system and Braden Holtby moves on. Right, like, right. It's just all these different decisions that have got to be made. So, and that was my, my last question to you. Obviously, you're going to write for the Kraken, but if I'm forcing you to play the GM role and we're at the draft and there's these avalanche players and, you know, I'm not going to go into who's protected, who's not protected, but who who would you take from the avalanche that are the possible people that are that are not going to be protected from the avalanche roster thinking if graves or taves <laughs> see okay and are and not protect cuz like again like the hard part is it all depends upon the order and it's not that i'm trying to give a cop out right but like okay so, so let's take Okay, so wait, you give me two options and I'll tell you which ones because like I could sit here and, and go through hypothesis after hypothesis sure. all night. Sure. So I guess, well, I'll, I'll throw out a couple guys and then I'll give you my, my theory on where I think the Kraken will go. But yeah, I think Graves or Taves, one of them will be tech protected, one of them won't be. So for the sake of the argument, you know, take your pick with them. And then maybe on the, on the forward side, there's a possibility where like uh, Burkowski is not protected possibility um, or, or Kadri or an So my theory is that, that Seattle, I think Colorado has a lot of, of talent and, and on, on the blue line. And I think that's the way that, Seattle will go is take one of the Colorado defenders and then that leaves the door open for Bowen Byram to replace whoever uh, Seattle has taken on the blue line. Well, and see, that's just the thing. It's like, who does Seattle take? Because if we're looking at UFAs, what's stopping him from going after Ian Cole? Because I mean, yeah. Hey, he's not a bad veteran option to have, but of the guys that are, you're going to leave unprotected who are going to be under contract. It would be Graves or Taves. Yeah. And if it's a forward, if it's Burakovsky or Kadri, you're making that pick and moving on to the next team. Mm-hmm. If it's not those two, if Tyson Jost is available. He's the one that everybody throws out there. But see, the hard part about saying that, though, is if you look at his defensive metrics, they're among the strongest on the team. Mm-hmm. And for the value he provides, if he figures it out offensively, then sure. Okay. So for now, we will say 
So let's say Tyson just figures it out and he gets protected. We'll say if it's a forward, some combination of Comfer or Donskoy, and if it's a defenseman, whoever is left unprotected between Taves and Graves. Right. Okay. Now I'm going to throw out an absolutely bonkers situation at you. And I talked about this on a show last week and I preface it by saying I 100% do not think the avalanche would even chance this, but I threw it out there because it's something fun to talk about looking at who Vegas took the highest contract they took was 7 million for March or so, I believe. Do you think the, that, that the, that the Kraken are going to be obviously very cautious of cap space and would the Avalanche do something as stupid as not protect like Miko Rantanen, knowing that the the Seattle Kraken would not take on a contract that high? Or do it you think seem, it, it doesn't seem likely because I mean, why would you invest that kind of money and not protect him? Because like that's just the thing is there's all these conversations about what game of chicken do the Avalanche want to play. Right. That's a game of chicken you probably don't want to play. Because, no. Like, Exactly. If, you're, if you're the crack and you're like, yeah, we, you think they would do, yeah, you we think could, they would, you we think could so? take that 9 million hit. Yeah. Why not? Yeah, like, okay. like, right. like, like Miko, you just bought a hot tub company. We are surrounded by water. Let's make this work. <laughs> um, but to be serious, it's, that doesn't seem like something they would want to do. No. Like if there was going to be something that they would try to chance with a UFA, maybe Grubauer or Landeskog. But what hmm. makes Grubauer different is the fact that, like, the money you've signed him to, if it slightly goes up, it's still cheaper to keep him in Francois than it is a quite a few other goaltending tandems. Right. Because, I mean, those two together, they cost, what, this year, $5.3 oh, million? Right, yeah. That's, that's half of a carry price. Yeah. Whereas if, like, you look at Landeskog, I mean – you could leave him unprotected and try to sign him back as a UFA. But like, do you really want to take that risk? And so if you're the abs, those are probably moves that you're not going to make. Right. And so if it leaves with someone like a Jost or a Donskoy or a Comfer or Nichushkin or a Graves or a Taves being exposed, then yeah. But then again, this is what you have a farm system for. Exactly. This is why you've developed prospects. Like, if you lose a, you know, a Jonas Donskoy, like that's why you have a Martin Kaut. Exactly. To be that, that middle six sort of forward who can play a two-way role. And if you hope, like if you're them, try to get you between, you know, 30 to 40 points a season. If you lose Graves or Taves, that's why you have a Bowen Byram. It's why you've got a Justin Baird. It's why, you know, you look at it, you, ha- you, you make the trade for someone like Dennis Gilbert who people seem mm. to think can be a good prospect at some point. Right. Well, he's already a good prospect, but people seem to think he could turn into a good NHLer at some point. Yeah. It's like, that's just it. It's like you try to work around these problems by having a solution for the future. Yeah. I think just being an avalanche fan, it's, it's you want whoever Seattle takes to, to hurt the least, but uh, it, it's, it's very possible that they're going to end up with a, a player on the avalanche that, uh, has a lot of value for the current Avalanche roster. So I think, you know, I think Avalanche fans need to be prepared for that, that you're going to lose a guy that 
you know, has done a lot for this team. So uh, we shall see. I, I can't wait for that draft. I, I love that. I, I'm, I'm excited for that draft as I am the regular draft. I don't know why. I just, because you don't see it a lot. You know, you, you don't get expansion drafts all that much. So I'm looking well, forward. I think it's something that like, not only do you not see Chris, but like, I think it's just also the idea of just like, when you look at the abs now versus what they were then, it's just, everybody's just kind of intrigued to see like what every team has learned. And I think with something like Seattle, what makes it even more interesting is just, you know, look, it wasn't that long ago. People were having conversations about this league. And it's like, okay, does this league really have the talent base to mm-hmm. really make something like this work? And not just with, not so much with Seattle, but just like expansion as a whole. Whereas right. if like you look at the game and how much it's growing really in the United States, how you're seeing it grow even more in places where it was already popular, like Finland and Sweden, the fact that you're getting numbers there. I mean, it's one of those, everybody's excited to see like what it can mean long-term for the league. But at the same time, like, yeah, it's just, it's the idea of can they repeat what Vegas did or is this more of a regular sort of what you've come to expect with an expansion team or is this Mm -hmm. something more in the middle? Right. Right. Yeah. I don't know, but uh, we'll see it play out in real time for sure. It'll be fun. Oh no, definitely. So so yeah, it'll, it'll be a blast. All right. Well, uh, I, I think we've covered just about everything and, and, and not to get it, make this a, uh, you know, an episode of this is us or anything like that. But uh, I heard I, that's I, a really good show. But it is cry at the end. Oh, it, it, yeah. You, you can't not cry at, at any episode of that show. I really, the first time I saw the commercials <laughs> for that, I was just like, Oh, so they brought it's... Mandy Moore and, and Green Arrow from Smallville back. Like, <laughs> good, good for him. And my wife's like, he was on Passions. There, I there, Justin there is an episode, or the, the very first episode, there is a twist at the end of the, the first episode where you're like, did not see that coming. And then it pretty much just hooks you. And uh, so, yeah, if you want to go start binging that, by all means, go ahead. But um, no, it's it, I, I have thoroughly enjoyed your writings on the avalanche i almost can guarantee you i'll continue to read them when you go on the crack and i was like usually like like three-fourths of the way down your your articles like the heat maps come into play and i'm like oh here here come the heat maps i gotta start paying attention now because he's gonna (laughs) (laughs) because now he's gonna get detailed so i really gotta pay attention what ryan and i love it i love it uh so no, I, I, I really, you were, you know, the way you write about them is, is fair. It's honest. And uh, it, I just loved your articles and I'm not just blowing smoke, but uh, it's, it's going to, whoever replaces you, they got a, you know, a tall order ahead of them. So Seattle is definitely lucky to have you. I mean, I, I, I appreciate you saying that, but I think like for me, that's, that's sort of the wild thing is just like, I just always looked at it like, you know, the NHL is, you know, my goal. I mean, granted, I didn't really start watching hockey till 2018. So there's that. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I'm yeah. just saying I, right. I didn't watch it until 2018. <laughs> right. um, but, but no, but to be serious, like it's always just been my goal. And so like, it's one of those things where, you know, you just hope like, Hey, when you get a chance to cover a team, you actually sound like, you know what you're doing. And, you know, you don't sound like someone who, you know, is it just ill-informed or just not informed at all? And because at the end of the day, like the, the thing you, I think everybody should try to take into account when you go cover a team is, you know, look, 
fans are understanding like, Hey, this person's new, but at the same time, like that doesn't mean like that's an excuse to not do the work because you might be new, but for the fan that's been watching this team for 20 years, like they want to know what's going on. Like, why does X happen? Why does Y happen? Why does, you know, Z happen? Um, And so the thing that you just want to try to do is do the best job humanly possible with all this. Um, So look, I'm just, I'm grateful that people really like the coverage. I'm just beyond thrilled to know that like, I guess it had an impact. I mean, I cover hockey. Like I don't really do anything like (laughs) super spectacular. Um, That's really it. But no, it it means a lot to you say that, but at the same time, like it is still like extremely surreal for me to know like people feel this way because it's like, yeah, I, I just can't picture, you know, not doing the job to the best of your ability. And yeah. it doesn't matter if you cover hockey or what, you just do the best job you can. Yeah. And and you do it very well. So uh, yeah, even though you'll be working for a different team, would love to have you back on in some future episodes if you're down. Yeah, no, just, All I right. mean, just say the word, you know how to get a hold of me. I, yep. I'm not going to go to Seattle and be like, ah, locked <laughs> on abs. More like locked <laughs> off on you. <the> <laughs> I'm not James Myrtle with horrible dad jokes. I mean, yes, I know I'm the person who uses the goofy meme, but like, right. I will never be that person who's like more like Michael Clutchison. Am I right? And it's like, I did that solely as a joke to make fun of Myrtle and Myrtle is like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. And it's like, dear God, I quit. Oh, that's great. Uh, seriously, though, man, thank you for, uh, for coming on the show. I very, very appreciate it. All right. Uh, we'll be back right after this. All right. And there you have it. The full trilogy of conversation between uh, myself and Ryan Clark from The Athletic. Uh, great guy, down-to-earth guy. It was, and that was the first time we ever spoke uh, in person. We, we, we've been messaging back and forth. Uh, but it, it, from, from the second he jumped on the line, and we, we talked a lot beforehand and after. Um, I think we stayed on the call uh, after this interview, I, 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 you know, stopped recording. I think we stayed on for another half hour, uh, 40 minutes, and even not even talking about hockey. We we're just talking about video games <laughs> and television and uh, Walker, Texas Ranger. <laughs> so uh, it, it was a blast from, you know, start to finish recording and uh, non-recording. So uh, we will have him on again, I'm sure, in the future. Talking about obviously maybe some cracking stuff, and if they're playing the Avalanche, maybe get him on. Uh, I'm sure he will get me connected with whoever takes his place um, at the Athletic covering the Avalanche. And like I said, whoever that is going to be uh, has a tough act to follow because uh, Ryan is a thorough journalist, but he he writes it in a way where you can under he he doesn't lose you. Um, growing up, I, I you know, I'm a big music fan. I hated reading Rolling Stone magazine reviews. And even to this day, it's like you get to the end of it and it's like, I don't know if they liked it or disliked it. And all you really have to go on is their rating. The way Ryan writes, you get it. He doesn't talk too much over your head. Um, And he he kind of explains things in a way where you, you, you feel like at the end of it, you feel like, okay, I actually learned something there. So uh, definitely going to be missed. But we will definitely have him back on uh, in a future episode or two. And what I think I'm going to do for for tomorrow's episode, uh, I think I'm going to take this 
interview and kind of break specific things down and give my side of things. I pretty much let him go. I would ask the questions. He's the expert. I'd let him handle them, handle them in his responses tomorrow. Uh, I feel like I will kind of go through certain things and give my expert opinion on a couple of things that he said, most of which I agree with. So uh, that will be for tomorrow's show, kind of like tidying up the week, the Ryan Clark week, I guess we can call it. So that's going to be it for today. And I hope you guys enjoyed that. So if you want to uh, get in touch with me, I didn't put the social media stuff at the beginning of the episode, but L-O-P-N underscore Avalanche on Twitter, Lockdown Avalanche on Instagram. Send anything, questions, comments, concern, opinion to LockdownAvalanche at gmail.com. And that'll be it. So like I said, hope you guys enjoyed it. If you uh, are tuning in for the first time, thank you for tuning in. If you are turning, tuning in for the 201st time, because that is what this episode is. Yesterday was episode 200. It's been almost exactly a year since I signed on with Locked On to do the show, and it's been a blast. So whether you've been here from today, starting today, or for a year, I thank you just the same. So that'll be it for today. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Here's Joby. Go, Abs, go!